boy's best friend is his mother. My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And we are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another 100 Years of Horror segment. And in this one, we are going to begin the 2000s decade. So creeping up on the end here. My God, we're almost done. I know. We have the 2000s and the 2010s left, which I know I've said this before, but it's still wild to me that the 2000s is its own decade because now we're in the 2020s, which is starting off just with a bang. (laughs) Right. Um, So it'll be interesting. Uh, If we're still doing the podcast in 10 years, we can talk about the 2020s and just see if we're still alive by then. Did you know there's an (gasps) asteroid hurtling towards Earth right now? Cool. Like, fuck 2020, right? I know. I was like, like, the world wants us dead. Yeah, I was like, honestly, (laughs) just take us out at this point. I don't even fucking care. Just, I just like i'm done anyways so i think that <laughs> we just need a reset button if it's not earth it's something else right so, you know Give somebody else a chance maybe octopuses will come about and they'll be the next being you know i would give octopus a shot octopi octopuses they might be kind of cool once they evolve i mean we were monkeys and now we're hairless monkeys so who knows what an octopus might be Cthulhu. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to start off with the year 2000, which I'm going to take 2000. The top film for 2000 is Shadow of the Vampire, which when I started watching this, I didn't really have any idea what I was watching other than I, when you start it, you think it's, well, I thought it was going to be really cool because I thought it was about the filming of Nosferatu, which it is. And when I say Nosferatu, I mean the one we started this all with. So I was like, fucking cool. And it is, it does go through the filming of Nosferatu. And also Willem Dafoe is in this. Mm -hmm. And I really like Willem Dafoe. And John Malkovich, who always does an amazing job. Yeah, so really. And Eddie Izzard. I'm sorry to keep cutting you off. It's fine. Oh my God, he's a British comedian that I adore. He's in this. And it's produced by Nicolas Cage. These are all the top names in it, and that's the weirdest one. Yeah, and honestly, when you go to the Rotten Tomatoes, it's really, it like, when you kind of get into the more, like, newer ones, the scores tend to be lesser than, like, when we started, because one, they've had less time and less critics to, you know, do them, and people are a little bit more critical of the newer ones, of the effects mm-hmm. and everything, and the older ones are a lot more coveted, I feel like. So just keep that in mind, too. But this has a 74% audience score and an 82% critic score. So that's what we're working with here for the year 2000. And we all know, like, the early 2000s and the late 90s, you know. (laughs) But this film wasn't bad by any means. It just is honestly probably, I'm going to say, least favorite of the, the films I hadn't seen out of the recent ones I've watched for, like, the 90s and 2000s personally 
but it's interesting because it actually was nominated for some Academy Awards. <laughs> so, <laughs> but for Willem Dafoe, what actually was nominated for Best Supporting he's Actor? Amazing, yeah, in he, everything he does, it's Willem Dafoe. Correct. Yes, he's really, really good, and he's a wonderful actor. And he gets shit on sometimes, but I feel like that's just because he's extravagant he's also extravagant looking which he's just got a very unique look but that's and that's also... what i was gonna say is it because i mean i i still love willem dafoe but he kind of has those like frog looking lips he's just got very sharp features yeah. you know and that's not his fault but i also feel like that's what makes him who he is like he's mm-hmm. such, like a trademark character and he plays nosferatu and he definitely kills it but what's interesting it does take you through the plot's pretty simple except at first you're watching it you're like oh it's gonna take you through the filming of Nosferatu like how cool because it shifts between you seeing it in color and them talking of course they're in English you know even though Mm -hmm. uh, you know an English made film it's German but they go through like seeing it in black and white and what filming in the 20s looks like and honestly I don't know if there is a documentary on how Nosferatu was made. Do you know if there is? I don't know if there is, but that'd be fucking awesome. And yeah. the black and white transitions were badass. That's it what was it, done so beautifully. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. And I would be down if this was just like a 92 minute film of like a mm-hmm. reenactment of how Nosferatu was made and everything they went to to make this iconic horror film. I would have been a happy fucking camper. But it does go into a fictional film of the vamp of the man they got to play Nosferatu of actually being a vampire and starting to cause problems, essentially. So, you know, uh, right. And John Malkovich, as the director, just starts getting crazier and crazier along with Willem Dafoe, the vampire, because he knows he's a real vampire. They basically made this deal. Yeah. And he just wants it all on film. He just wants the best movie. Exactly. This is like his baby, his race to fame. He knows mm-hmm. this is going to be historic. And so he is doing, he's like, well, I'm going to get a real vampire. Then I'm going to make the most iconic vampire film because he wasn't given the rights to do Dracula. So he's like, fuck that. Then I'm going to make Nosferatu and I'm going to get a real fucking Dracula, basically, you know, fuck that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, he actually wants to start sucking blood because he's seeing the filming of all this. And then obviously you can see where that would cause issues and p- crew members being attacked. And well, yeah, and he, John, and the director basically gives Nosferatu, quote unquote, he basically gives him the lead actress. Like, yeah, sure, you can have her. Yep, and he get, becomes obsessed with her. Like, the first time mm-hmm. he sees, like, a locket of her as, like, a prop, he's immediately, like, they w- want it taken away for a scene, if my memory serves me, and he, like, mm-hmm. won't let them take it from him. He's like, no, yeah. that's mine. And they're like, uh, okay, you know? So her name is Greta, and he's she's promised as a reward. So, yeah, and that's what this film is, and he gets to feed on her and finish her off basically it's just and you can obviously see how it turns from filming to disaster so yeah definitely there are a couple things I would like to mention there's a train that actually takes them to the set so in real life Nosferatu was filmed at a real abandoned castle which is really cool and that's where they're going on this train and the train just happens to be named Charon which is the name of the ship that shepherds people to the land of the dead in 
Greek mythology. So I thought that was kind of cool. And what the fuck? All these guys are just holding... They know. It's like the very end. We haven't had our lead female meet with Nosferatu yet, but we're finally doing that scene. The end scene that everybody knows when Nosferatu dies. Right. We're finally doing that scene. And they know he's a fucking vampire. They know that some fuckery is going to be afoot. And instead of helping this poor girl, they hold her the fuck down while Nosferatu fucking drinks her blood. Wow. Yeah. And also, like, they've seen him, like, they were, like, drinking one night. And he comes out. He fucking pulls a bat out of thin air and fucking eats it. Uh Like, they're not, like, Like he's a weird dude. They're, like, the other crew, they're, like, oh, yeah, he's he's a real vampire. Right? Right. Yeah, but they're just, like, better her than me exactly Fuck yeah you guys. uh-huh yeah exactly so this is not like a thing that they don't know they fucking know yeah 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 so shadow of the vampire honestly like it wasn't a bad film i'm not saying that at all it <laughs> just like i was i was so interested in like oh my god it's gonna be a you know Same. A i was so excited about... for the history exactly and so i wasn't like i i mean i was a little disappointed but i definitely saw how like okay that's an interesting take you know mm-hmm. but also yeah. I'm a nerd, so I wanted, like, a, a film about the history of the filming of Nosferatu, you know? Seconded. Seconded by the other nerd. Agreed. But moving on to 2001, we have a much better film. Oh, my God. Okay. Love yes. this film. Yeah. Oh, my so God. So we have our second film from Guillermo del Toro, and this is The Devil's Backbone, which I, I have said in past episodes, I've been dying to finally see, and I finally got to see it. Thank you, 100 Years of Horror. Yes. Thank you absolutely because this was fucking amazing it also this was a spanish mexican film so they went together on it and our lead or one of our actors was actually our lead actor in chronos so frederico lupi he is our grandfather from chronos our main guy and he actually is brought back again for the devil's backbone he is it is an orphanage filled with kids of the spanish civil war the people that are fighting and don't have homes for their kids anymore their sons are coming to this orphanage and this not husband and wife but they are dating this man and woman are running the place and frederico lupi is the man in this scenario and he's actually the doctor as well so this movie is all about a little boy who was murdered and we're basically trying to uncover that murder while also trying to deal with the civil war that's basically at our our doorstep. We have two people that know that they are going to die. The, the, this man and woman know that if they are found out, they will be executed, period. They watch people in town get shot, you know, firing squad against the wall. They would be a part of that just by protecting these children. And there's a big sum of gold that they have. Now, one of the kids has grown up. He's probably 20 now, and he is still staying there, quote-unquote, protecting them. Is a motherfucker. Yeah, he's a fucking asshole. He just wants the gold. That's all he wants. And in the background, he's effing our matriarch, even though our patriarch loves her. It's just a very weird dynamic. It's very sad. And it doesn't get any better. This the Guillermo del Toro is very much about how it's not safe to be a child. It really isn't, especially in horror. You can't expect people to protect you and themselves at the same time. Yeah, especially they, in like a war, because you always exactly. see him making like Spanish Civil War films and exactly. it's like Hidden Pan's Labyrinth. 
Exactly. It is the same thing. And this is actually Pan's Labyrinth and the Devil's Backbone are a trilogy. We only have these two pieces so far. He hasn't actually finished it yet, but this is part of our trilogy. And it ends up that the Civil War kind of comes to their doorstep in the form of this asshole older kid that I told you has grown up and stayed there. And he ends up becoming so jealous that he basically destroys the whole thing. He blows the place up, which kills most of the kids. It kills our matriarch. Our patriarch ends up bleeding out. And our kids actually end up have to kill this guy. We end up with, I think, five kids live and they stumble out into the desert and have to go figure out how to survive and then you also get this like there's a ghost wandering around this whole time there's a ghost story on the other side like that you there many of you will die and it's this ghost of this boy that was killed by this 20 year old that ends up blowing up the place because he was basically he's just an asshole trying to get the gold the whole time and this kid walked in on him trying to get on the safe he was just collecting slugs like just having a good time being being a a boy and yeah and this uh he pushed him to the ground basically trying to intimidate him and he hit his head and so he sunk him to the bottom of this little like water reservoir they have and so this little boy as a ghost is talking to the other little boys specifically our main character boy who's who's the newest arrival and he keeps running away from him even though this little boy is trying to warn him like many of you will die he's trying to tell him like this guy's gonna fucking kill all of you and this is a really devastating film Guillermo del Toro's work is incredibly devastating mm-hmm. if you've seen Pan's Labyrinth you know and this one's even on him you have one girl in Pan's Labyrinth who you're attached to in The Devil's Backbone you have a whole orphanage of boys that you're attached Mm -hmm. to more characters than some but still you know these boys backstories for the most part at least that they're at an orphanage and you care about them they're just kids that's it devastating absolutely Mm -hmm. fucking devastating film oh on the edge of my seat the whole time yelling at it crying at it all of that all the emotions by far my my favorite film of this five that we're going to talk about i mean Anytime you see Guillermo del Toro in a lineup of films, let's say, you know, we're comparing it to four more. Typically, you're not going to. You're just going to watch a movie to watch a movie. But in this instance, we're comparing, maybe not even mm-hmm. comparing them to each other. But we usually talk about like, oh, out of the five or whatever, right. this is my favorite. Usually, he's going to win out because not yeah. only is he a visionary and visually as well, his films are striking. Oh, my God. The ghost looks so cool uh super creepy for 2001 oh yeah like this blood that was flowing up into the air when he was just standing in the hall oh my god it was amazing sunken at the bottom of this water it was uh, like i said visually striking and the writing and the directing and just everything about it he's so artistic and so anytime you see del toro up against anything he's probably gonna win out in my opinion Mm -hmm. and it was definitely like i don't know like I I kind of like The Devil's Backbone more than I liked Pan's Labyrinth. I think we need to do a whole episode on this one at some point. There's just so much to talk about. Yeah. It, it was such an amazing movie, and I, I kind of agree. It's not as beautiful as Pan's Labyrinth because we don't get into the, the fawn and the foresty feel. We don't get into that mythology because this is so real. This, this is real people's lives. Correct, yes. This, the supernatural almost is just like an added in, like mm-hmm. so, not like it's almost like a side plot. 
Right. And it does have a 92% critic consensus and an 89% audience score. And I feel like the 89% is high, but also kind of low. Right. Uh, I feel like that should be higher, but there are 35,099 audience members giving that a score. So that's still, when you take that general score of 89%, very high. So definitely recommend if you're going to like pick any to watch from this list, The Devil's Backbone is my recommendation. Oh, absolutely. I'm so happy I finally got to freaking watch it. Yeah, same. So moving into 2002, we actually have an entire episode on this film. It is from year one. So if you want to scroll way, way, way back, you can go find that episode. We are going to discuss The Ring. And this obviously is the American version of The Ring. I think you got Ringu in our last one, too. Yes. You, like, get the whole series. You did. Yep. You got Ringu. So now we're going to talk about The Ring. And I'm just going to briefly go through this because we talked about Ringu, which is essentially pretty much a a direct remake that we got in the United States. And we also did a full episode on it already. So The Ring is essentially about this videotape that people watch and it kills them in seven days. And this woman wants to find out what exactly or why this happened. So she goes and investigates this and finds out about this family, basically. And this girl, obviously, she's in a well and her family. And okay, her name is Samara. If, If you haven't seen The Ring, I would be incredibly surprised. If you haven't heard about the story of The Ring, I would be incredibly surprised. It's right. kind of difficult to talk about the plot of The Ring without talking about the entire plot of The Ring because it's kind of difficult to she basically gets thrown down a well and now she's using this tape to kill people Ta-da. like <laughs> and you know what i mean like yeah. you can go listen to the whole episode typically when we originally talked about this we weren't super impressed to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest i'm still not super impressed by the ring does she look creepy yes mm-hmm. she does and can it give you nostalgia Absolutely. If you watched it, especially when you were in like middle school or high school, for sure. There's nothing. I don't hate this movie by any means, but the plot, like, or at least, you know, it just doesn't really like hit it for me. It never really has. It was one that I watched in middle school and I was like, okay, you know, I watched it a couple times and it was like, okay, it was fine. You know, when you have a bunch of friends getting together and you were watching the ring, cool. But it just Mm -hmm. never, it never was one that I just really thought about after it was over i guess personally. yeah it's more of like a gimmick to do later like the grudge sound like uh or you call somebody and go seven days like it's that yeah exactly and ringu was honestly like the japanese didn't rely quite as much on the visual of her so Mm -hmm. that one i liked a little bit more it was just different but it was also mm-hmm. pretty much the same. So Right, exactly. They just do things a little bit differently and, you know, obviously. So, yeah, that was the ring and uh the reason it made it on the list obviously uh for 2002. Again, when we started this list, we haven't changed it over the past year, so keep that in mind. So, it has a 71% critic consensus. Now, we this is so funny. 71% critic <laughs> Wow. I'm so sorry. This is so funny. I'm excited. 71% critic consensus, 207 critics agree, 48% audience score with, hold on, 32,459,459 
audience members' scores. So that's a quite. How is this the one that won? Because of the critic score. At 71. 71. What else was it up against in 2002? 2002. Who knows? Kristen's like, I gotta find out right now. I wanna know. Like, that's so low for that to make our 100 Years of Horror. Oh, okay. I see. What's it up against? Uh, 28 Days Later, which was actually, is actually our next one. And the reason why it bumped a year is because it was British, so it took a year to get to America. So that's part of that. Also, it went up against Cabin Fever, which I can't say would be 100 Years of Horror material. And Signs, which maybe, honestly, I liked Signs better. I think Signs was great. Signs, definitely. Yeah. Now, again, these are fluid lists, so keep that in mind when you start these lists. Rotten Tomatoes is a is a fluid, living, breathing website with mm-hmm. people constantly adding reviews. So signs in the ring so signs came out in 2002 signs is one of the i we talked we did a whole episode on signs which is still one of my favorite films but just like ever of any genre it's it's just one of my favorites but especially it scared the bejesus out of me when i was a kid like cha- like life changing it has way better scores than fucking uh, you know it has a 74 percent and a 67%. But it, well, audience score, but the critic score only has 236 reviews with a 74. So when this list is pulled, when we pulled at the beginning of the year, I bet these critic scores keep going back and forth. So yeah. that's just really surprising to me how the critics, critics, now Rotten Tomatoes is only one medium. Again, this is, a, right. some people really don't like Rotten Tomatoes. This is just an easy list to pull. I don't, I just it surprises me that people would ever put the ring on over signs as signs. Yeah, that's freaking weird. Personally, for me, signs would win this, and so seconded. Since we're talking about you know 2002, let's talk about just just real quick. We've done an episode on signs too, so it's going to be really quick. Yeah, signs definitely the better film for me. So mm-hmm. obviously, Alien Invasion, Mel Gibson, Walking Phoenix. M. Night Shyamalan. Come yeah, on, man. Yeah, su- super much, much better film for me over The Ring. I would kick The Ring out of that spot yeah. 100% over, you know. But that was what was on the list at the time, so. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah. Moving on to 2003 or 2002, we have the British film 28 Days Later. 28 Days Later is a zombie movie that is all about fast zombies. So we're finally getting into that. We're done with the slow ones. Fuck that. That's for the 70s and 80s. So we have these fast zombies that are taking over the UK. We don't know that it reaches any farther than that, which I find very interesting. And they actually bring up in the plot at one point of, you know, we're we're being lied to. Nobody's going to help us. Nobody's coming because we're just this little island. Would you bring anybody here? And honestly, how weird would that be? How surreal to know that you're on this little island that nobody's going to come to, nobody's going to come save you, and you are all just dying while the world is continuing to go on without you. Well, that's crazy. With, like, zombies, like, um, first of all, would you, though? Like, would would you risk spreading? Okay, we've already seen how the world has dealt with COVID. You know, (laughs) it's it's not been great, especially the United States. But going and, you know, COVID is is silent for the most part like you don't know when you when you go somewhere and you bring it back two weeks later you're sick 
but like with <laughs> zombies, that's pretty quick. Especially this one. It's in under 10 minutes. These people are changing. Like under 30 seconds, these people are changing. They don't have enough time to be like, oh, yeah, I was a bit. I'm going to hide it and get on a plane. Exactly. That's not a thing. So I guarantee it really probably is stuck on this island. How surreal to be, you know, yeah, the United States of America is still moving along. Germany is over there still doing their thing because this happened from a lab accident in the UK. So it was basically there and only there. It was a lab accident with monkeys that were given this rage treatment. And one of the monkeys gets out or it is brought out by people trying to save the monkeys from the scientists and they attack someone. And that's how this whole thing starts. We end up following this guy who was in a coma, and he wakes up, and he's all alone. All these people are already dead or gone. He ends up being saved by a group of other survivors, and they band together for a little bit until they go about their journey, people dying along the way, and they get to the military. The military also has no fucking clue. They have no rank anymore. They Nobody is really in charge. It's just this little group of maybe 10 soldiers, and all they want is women. It's all they want. Super creepy. Well, of course, you know. Yeah, I know. Because we got to repopulate the Earth. Which I get. That's like a noble gotta thing. got to repopulate the UK. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Repopulating the Earth, that's like a noble cause. But maybe don't steal women and rape them. Just Consensually repopulating the Earth. And also, we've already right. seen what, like, kind of... I'm not saying that, like, there is a lot of good in humanity, but also, typically when humanity is just left to its own devices and the aliens dropped us off and they were like, go do your thing, we kind of ruined it, so. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Eventually the girls get away and they move on and they get to an island and they're putting out a big old help sign on the ground and a plane flies over. It's two girls and, a guy, and our guy from the very beginning who was in a coma. They're the only ones that survive, and supposedly they're getting help, and that's how it ends. But some of the things in it, like, right in the very beginning, when he wakes up from a coma, and he is all alone in the middle of London. How did you get London to shut down for production? That's crazy. Yeah, and also, like... I just don't like I understand like lab accidents happen I guess but I'm curious as to what other like maybe I just don't hear about it because they cover it up what <laughs> other diseases have we let out like actually in the real world from lab accidents you know lab accidents my ass we have a whole branch of people who create this shit and send it off to people just to see how it kills yeah well which ones? Like, I, I'm just so curious. Like, I know we'll never know. I just want to know. I mean, we'll never know, but my honest opinion is Africa is just a testing chamber for all kinds of shit. That is so fucked oh. up. I guarantee it. Like, I mean, at this point, I know that there's a lot of, you know, terrible tyrants over there that are taking all their money, but I feel like at this point... You should be able to start working on some sort of thing, except they constantly have these diseases that keep coming out or this poverty because people keep fucking these tyrants keep taking all their money. It's like, how are you supposed to get over that stuff? And who keeps doing that? Governments. And I'm not even just saying American government. All governments 
like French, you can Belgium, all those people that used to own or still do all those little countries in Africa are still fucking with them. They're still sending stuff down there to see how it affects those people so that it doesn't affect their citizens or to know, okay, this is what I can do in war. All right, got it. That's sad. That's the birthplace of all humanity, by the way. So, yeah, that's F them, right? Yeah, yeah. So this had a similar opening to The Walking Dead because he comes out of a coma. I was going to say that. And yep. it, I was, I was like, Walking yeah. Dead took that from, I would assume. It was actually a complete coincidence on both their parts because they only came out like months apart. So it was total coincidence, which is a really fucking cool. Man, I thought Walking Dead came out in like 2009, though. Oh, it did, but The Walking Dead came from a comic book. Oh, that's right. Okay, I see what you're saying. So I was yes. like, I was like the, sitting in my yeah. ex's house. Like... Yeah, I forgot about that. Yes, so uh, The Walking Dead does come from a comic book series, and that is where everything starts, and they also have that coma thing in it. So it's really interesting that they came up with the same premise around the same time. Well, because it's a terrifying premise. Imagine waking up and then being uh-huh. alone, first of all, and being like, um... For sure. Because that would be like, oh, I'm still in a coma, or whatever. Like, this isn't real. Right? Absolutely. There's a couple times that... I, I know Rick does in the show and I, f- I feel like I remember him doing it in 28 Days Later where they like smack themselves like wake the fuck up how is this real yeah this has a just we can keep talking about it but I just wanted to mention because we were just talking about like what the fuck like is wrong with these ratings this one has an 87% critic score and an 85% audience score with 482,349 audience members and 231 critics so this is very like in line with each other you know yeah, it, and this one I feel like it deserves it. I don't even say that this is my favorite film of all time, but it's definitely on my list of things that I like, and I've seen it in the past because the film quality is so interesting. It's such an interesting choice. Like, he doesn't even necessarily always put the camera straight forward. Sometimes it'll be at an angle. The film quality is very grainy. Like, it's very old, even though it's not. We've seen movies around the same time that look beautiful. Right, Exactly. And also the whole fast zombie thing, terrifying, mm-hmm. like horrifying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, just because I love art history, I wanted to share. Once they get to the military place, there's a statue in the foyer. And that statue is of, I'm going to say it wrong, Lacoon. I just don't know how to say the name, but I do know the story. And it is about, he was a Trojan priest that told the people of Troy not to bring in the horse because it would be their downfall. And then it was. And that is our hint to these characters not to go into this building because you think that it is sanctuary, but it's not. Mm, Interesting. I love little Easter eggs like that. Mm -hmm. Which leads us into the next film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> full of easter eggs yeah which we end out the first part of the 2000s with the next film which is a horror comedy film actually instead of just a straight up horror film which is also a zombie film but we're ending it out with 2004's Shaun of the dead which is also a british film which we mm-hmm. actually have a full episode on which is the first time i ever saw it so if you want to head back and listen to that it is in our catalog and this film is a zombie film but it's a spoof zombie film <laughs> And it's about two buffoon friends guiding through a zombie apocalypse, hiding out in a pub, and basically making 
a ton of wrong right decisions essentially and mm-hmm. and it's just funny because it's it's all the the tropes you see in a zombie film but done by two they're not like well one of them's kind of stupid and the other one of course is you know <laughs> our main lead tropish main character so yeah, we have Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, who yeah. are British comedians. Correct, yeah. They've done a series of movies. This is just one of them. We have Hot Fuzz and The End of the World, and I think they're coming out with a new one. Attack on the Block, I think, was Nick Frost. Think of a zombie film, but, like, scary movie, but, like, way better. Because I hate the scary movie films, but I did not hate this film because it's actually funny. I think British humor, stupid British humor, in my opinion, is funnier than stupid American humor. Like, when I think... God, I love British yeah, humor. Yeah, when I say stupid American humor, I mean like Will Ferrell. Jackass. Okay. I've laughed at Jackass. I mean like <laughs> I mean like I'm trying to think. Like Talladega Nights, I think is fucking stupid. Step Brothers. Like well, Adam Sandler. Yeah, like like I like some Adam Sandler stuff, but yeah. think about it really. Yeah, like yeah. specifically what comes to mind for me, who I just do not think is funny, or like his films don't really do it for me, is Will Ferrell. Uh, mm-hmm. I know some, a lot of people just love his comedy and people quote like uh-uh. stepbrothers at me all the time. And I'm like, I think you're quoting stepbrothers to me or something, but like, I don't fucks with it. So I don't know for sure. <laughs> Even like, I love Christmas movies and I, I'm really not a fan of Elf. You can't watch no, Elf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just yeah. don't like it. So, but I, I like this type of British humor, especially when you throw in zombies and them just like beating zombie, like throwing the records at a zombie to try to slow it oh down. And- I love British humor. It's so dry and dry humor is my favorite. That sarcasm of here, I'm going to leave this there. And then you chuckle at the awkwardness. Love it. Yes. Yeah. So I, I know that we're not like, there are a couple here that like, it seems like you're getting like two out of five that we've not done on these. Um, right exactly we've done a lot of these yeah we've done a full episode on this one but yeah no i i enjoyed this film more than i thought i would but yeah you can go check out our full review on that one to pull up the rotten tomatoes rating just because i've actually remembered and been consistent with pulling (laughs) up the ratings on this episode so good job me it actually is one of (laughs) the highest rated films in this entire it's the highest rated one we've done in this whole what it's is it? 92% critic, 93% audience <laughs> score. People love Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, it just hits all the right yeah, notes. Yeah, it does. So it's a really good note to end on because it's so it's so funny. And it also still has, like, the zombies don't look super fucking lame either. They actually had a really exactly. good production quality. So, And if you're not a big horror person, it has things in there for you because it's all comedy. It, it just works for so many different people. Yeah, you can watch it with, like, a lot of different movie fans. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my top pick of this one is obviously The Devil's Backbone. I think I made that pretty clear. Oh, but, you know, 100%. obviously Devil's, Shaun of the Devil's Dead Backbone. if you need someone something to watch with someone that's not a horror film. So. <laughs> if you want to laugh after the sadness of Devil's Backbone. You will need it. I texted yeah, right, Kristen exactly. where, when I was watching The Devil's Backbone and I was like, this got me fucked up, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. As soon as I, I don't really like read the synopsis all the time, but this one I was like, okay. And it was just like, a boy's orphanage in the Spanish Civil War, and I was like, "God damn it!" <laughs> so, <laughs> you're like, "This is gonna be so this sad. Is be, this is gonna rip my soul in half." You're gonna want all the babies. Oh, God, it, it like when we did Tigers Are Not Afraid in year one. It was in October year one. I th- I still think that movie is destroyed more than any other movie, but it's very it was similar. 
So, mm-hmm. yep. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us for this segment of 100 Years of Horror. Uh, again, we have obviously part two is coming at you. You probably know how the sequences work now. And then we'll have our last one. Oh my, only three more. No. Oh my God. And then what? Normal shit? Now we got stuff coming. We'll do stuff. We'll do series and stuff. I think that'd be fun. You know, like we could do a zombie series, a Ouija board series for you. Don't don't don't. I don't know. We'll see. You know, if you have any ideas, let us know. Yeah, send them yeah. in. So, thank you again for hanging out with us. You know where to find us on all of our socials. Hopefully, by now, everything is at the Extra Sisters podcast, except for Twitter, which is at the Extra Sisters. You can find us over on Patreon. Come hang out with us over there. It is patreon.com/slash the Extra Sisters podcast. Until next time, stay creepy.